Hello and welcome to the Foxes Never Quit podcast. This is a fan-run podcast about Leicester City Football Club. You can find us on Acast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podcaster, Samsung Podcasts, Deezer and GeoSarvan. Not sure what GeoSarvan is, but we are on it. And of course, you can find all of our things at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash lcfc and reddit.com forward slash r forward slash lcfc women. Hello and welcome to What's Never Quit Talking, the Leicester City podcast. We've got a slightly uh, different episode, it's a bit of a top on my special. I am joined by our regular. Hello, guest. You've heard. Oh, Tyler. Hello, Tyler. Hello. Good to be back. And also, we're joined by yeah. a man I've known for a very long time. Uh, <laughs> we know each other since we're about eleven years old. Uh, hello. Uh, longer, not, not longer than that. Um, Is it longer than that? Yeah, year five. So I think we're about nine. Wow. <laughs> so yes, I will tell you how long that is just to protect uh, <laughs> the information about our age. But I'll start off by asking you. Um, how how do you feel about how the Premier League season has been going? Yeah, well, I mean, mixed bag. Well, not not really a mixed bag. Essentially, we're doing really bloody well by playing not very good football. So it's it's, it's confusing because on one hand, I'm extremely happy with how we start uh, how Spurs have started the season. You know, equal employment with this City team with a Frankenstein of a striker. And and um, not far off, apparently, the greatest Arsenal team in history. Um, so we're, do, we're, we're doing really well, but the football's been quite bad in places. And it's only really the strengths of a couple of players that we're doing so well. Uh, one, one of whom really came into it in this last game we're here to talk about. Well, I'm going to say now, if you're hoping for sympathy for good results, despite after you're probably not going to find it here. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the other thing to talk about is, of course, you have your own podcast. Uh, it's called Black Hunt. Would you like to tell us a bit about that podcast? Yeah, sure. So that's one I do with our friend Chris. Chris and I have um, known each other for a very long time as well. What started out as a bit of lockdown boredom fun has turned into, um, yeah, like an ongoing venture. So basically, what it's uh, Chris and I's favourite pub game to play. We take a band or artist each episode and rank their albums from worst to best and then just talk about each one and um, kind of put across our general thoughts of why it's there. So we've done some really fun stuff so far. Next one's going to be really fun as well. We're inviting on our friend Jack Kirby Lowe to talk about the beginnings of Iron Maiden. One of my favorite bands. Who, who, who I know uh, Arcadi is a massive, massive fan of. So yeah, that should be a really fun one. Chris and I are mostly rock and metal guys, but we've done a bit of hip hop, a bit of pop. So there's something for everyone there, really. Really. And uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, really good fun. Really enjoy doing it. I'm a little bit behind on it, but I, I am catching up gradually, as I do with everything. Oh, cool. Yeah, I am quite jealous of not being on the Iron Maiden one. <laughs> oh, well, 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 we'll have you on soon, mate. We'll have you on soon. Don't you worry. Yeah, I, I, I know. I've been, I've been negotiating with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's like, where can we find that podcast if you want to go and listen? So that's um, all the usual providers. So Chris and I are in a band together at M-E-A-O-A-B on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. But also the podcast is kind of brought to you by our promoting venture. So we put on a few shows as Grimheart Promotions. 
that's at uh, Grimheart promo on Facebook and Instagram. And through the Grimheart Insta, we'll be advertising the podcast episodes. It will show you a, a graphic of each episode and where you can get them. But it's all the usual places, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name Pocket, uh, Pocket Cast, you name it, they've got it. Sweet. All right. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hopefully appearing on that at some point. As well as, of course, I'm really looking forward to hearing about all your opinions on Iron Maiden, so I can tell you how wrong you are. <laughs> and I think I've put off the pain of talking about this match. Anyone who's any Leicester fan who's seen it knows that it was painful for me. Well, I'll put it off slightly longer. We've got two little headlines before, the, before we get into the match. First is our one outfield signing, Voot Face, made, made his debut for us and played the full game. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about his performance. Lars Kutsun has finally got his visa and has started as our set-piece coach. A much-needed addition to the team to anyone who's seen our performances last year, and I guess this year. But he probably hasn't had time to work with players yet for defending a set pieces. He was anything to go by. Spurs also hired a set-piece coach this summer, Gianni Vio. And we can see already the drastic difference it's making. Dyer's goal and Harry Kane's first goal came from corners. Yes. And that's far from the only set-piece we've scored this season. So, yeah... A set-piece coach, I mean, it's most clearly seen in Klopp's Liverpool side how much difference a set-piece coach, oh, yeah. can, coach can make. They're, they've been um, looking after their free kicks, corners and throw-ins for years now and, you know, obviously turn them into tight winners and contenders, Champions yeah. League winners. Because they were one of the first teams to get a set-piece coach in the Premier League, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, our guy Vio has worked with the Italy national team. They won the Euros off a lot of set-piece, set-piece goals. So it, 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 work, it works wonders, and um, hopefully you'll see the, reap the benefits sooner rather than I, later. I hope we do, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. So we'll start by going over the goals and key incidents in the match. There were eight goals, so that should keep us busy for a little bit. Uh, the first one was a Yuri Tielemans penalty. We were arguably a little lucky to get, although I do think we started brightly enough to you know earn an attack. Well, the argument from a Spurs perspective is it was a little bit outside the area. <laughs> but but no, uh, like fully, what on earth was Davinson Sanchez doing? <laughs> uh, the man's a liability. Um, yeah, uh, justifiable penalty and justifiable retake as well, really. Lloris was quite clearly off his line. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones, if the referee had given a f- on the edge of the area, the VAR probably would have backed that up as well mm. yeah it was on it was on the line and those are tough yeah the contact was just on the line but the referee gave a penalty it was a terrible first penalty from from Tielemann. it seemed like at the, those first like couple five-ish minutes or so spurs had a lot of momentum there and then it seemed like we had that one break and justin was in the box and then that one i don't know how that that tackle was, was horrible and then obviously you get the penalty. It just, it honestly felt like at that moment in time, like we were getting away with like, like robbery in that moment to even be ahead. But my first thought after that, you know, after the retake happened and then after the, the goal came in, my thought was, okay, how long until we lose this lead? Because we had it and I've seen it before. That's like, we've had like up to, I think now that would have been our fourth game this season, which we've led out of yep. seven. Considering the fact that out of all those matches, we have a total of one point in them, the fact yeah. that four of them involved leads is really, really problematic. 
And you could the first it's it's really troubling when your first thought after you score a goal in the first ten minutes is how long until we are no longer leading. When I was watching, like I like I even when we, we were every time we were trying to attack, I'm like, even if they attacked, I'm just know Tottenham's going to score. That's just how our team is. We just let up no matter what. Like they they always find a way, and you just saw it when they broke away. Like they were just going at it each and every time, and Tottenham like. And with that, I mean, even that penalty, like as Tyler said, you just knew that they were going to come back at some point because that was what the season's like this year. They just, the Leicesters, they're chokes. That's what I, that's what we say here in the U.S. They choke. Yeah, we say that here as well. <laughs> yeah, but you, you prefer you prefer bottle jobs. Yeah, <laughs> or Spurs to put it in the uh, unique parlance of uh, Tottenham. Yeah. Tottenham did, of course, two goals back, two set pieces. It's worth talking a bit about them collectively. I like to think a lot of teams would have struggled to defend that first goal. It, it was a really tremendous header by Eric Dyer. This is the first, second goal he scored already this season, and it looks like set pieces are being directed towards him either for his powerful heads or for the flick on for Harry Kane. Yeah, it was that Harry Kane one? So the way it was moved out and then just pummeled towards the back post. I looked. I thought it looked really hard to defend. Although, I think it was pointed out in one of the analyses. I think Wes Morgan pointed out that if everyone had stepped up, with Johnny Evans, he stepped up, we probably would have just made everyone offside. But there wasn't communication or organisation in the team to do it. Yeah, yeah. Wes Morgan was was on the pundit on Sky, and he pointed out that Face and Evans both stepped up, up to try and play an offside trap, and at the same time, the rest of the team dropped off to try and track their runners. And thus, totally undid the point having an offside trap by playing everyone onside anyway. Yeah, and I think at those moments you can see that I don't think the team has really gotten used to Evans being the leader of the back line yet, even though he's doing all the right things. I think that in terms of communication, he's done mostly what he's supposed to. And it's weird how it looked like uh, Voutfass was the guy who actually knew what to do in that situation. Obviously, he's played that position his whole life. He knows how what it is to be a center back. But that was his first, in the first 10 minutes of being a Leicester player. And it seemed like he already understood what you're supposed to do there better than the other players who were in that conglomerate of, of, of bodies and heads. Yeah, the funny thing is, few years back, like only two seasons ago, Evans passing the back line was doing a fantastic job of it. Dyer's run for the second goal was really, really good, although the two runners who were both marking Dyer both left it to the other one to track him, and in the end, neither of them tracked him, so he was left with a header, although it was a really nice run in Vegas. That's a, I actually didn't realise, wow. I didn't notice that either but it doesn't sound far-fetched considering how poor our communication has been. Uh, the next goal in the game, Madison got a goal. Oh yeah, that goal was a beauty. Very good goal. Yeah, everything there was perfect. Uh, did you see his post-match interview as well? I actually did not. He looked very cut up, very upset. Um, like Obviously, it's, it's upsetting, but he, he, you could really feel how bad he felt about that loss. But yeah, it's, interestingly, I think we'll come on to the Brendan Rodgers thing a bit later, but Madden was basically saying it's us and them out there. You know, it's not Rodgers' fault that we're losing the matches, it's us, the players. On the, to- on the topic of Madison saying that, you know, it's not it's not on Rodgers, it's on the players, um, 
obviously everyone's going to say that. Everyone after a loss is going to put the blame on themselves and no one else. At least they're going to say that even if they don't believe it. So what I would say in that situation is, yeah, he's saying that, but I've seen this song and dance enough times before with every sport, to be honest, because I watch a lot of sports. When, when players say that it's on us, it's not on the manager, or it's not on the coach, and whatever it is, still pretty clear that when those questions start needing to be asked, then the time for change is coming very soon at minimum. And I don't want to get ahead of it, but it seems like Rogers' expiration date has passed. But I completely agree with you. As a whole, I just feel like Rodgers has lost a team. You need a new voice for the team. It's just something that we have to have as a whole. Leicester itself is just... It's, it's, it doesn't look like a very fluent football team right now. And it's like getting a little awkward in the sense of the watch this team. So I would say that like as a whole, Leicester may have to have a change. He even said it himself in his post-match interview. Brendan Rodgers begged the ball to sack him. Yeah. He's been doing that for three weeks. Yeah. We went in for half-time at 2-2. We'd collapsed the second half with just one of those big lapses of concentration. What did you make of the goal, Ollie? The Who scored that third goal? I forget. Uh, it was Rodrigo Bentancur, who obviously we signed him uh, January 22 from Juventus permanently in the same kind of deal where we got Kulisevsky, but he, um, Kulisevsky's on a year loan that we'll, we'll probably be buying him permanently in January. Well, if, if we don't, we're insane. Ben Tanko hadn't scored for, I think it's something like 115 league games in total. And Wilfred and Didi giving away the ball who, I mean, like, that's just not the kind of mistake you expect a player like Ndidi to make. He hasn't seen the same since his injury. There was a silly, unforced error. And Ben Tankor just glided on through and tucked it under Danny Ward, who was... Ward was abysmal. I know we're going to get on to the next three goals, but um, uh, the, the two of which weren't entirely his fault. But Ward could, uh, Ward could have done a lot better with Ben Sanko's goal. But this is where I joined the game at the start of the second half because I was busy during the first half. And uh, it's lovely to walk into the pub to a Ben Sanko goal because he, he's such a handsome lad. Go on with that whole goal as a whole with the... Uh... With that going back, and they were, that was just, that defense and mishap. Like, I have no clue what's going on with their defense this year. Like, we have the players that can actually play really like phenomenal defense, like good man the man in zone, and they just don't do it. Like, they they just don't. Like, I don't understand what's the issue is. Like, is the chemistry down? Is there something going on in the locker room with this team? But like, it's just I've seen so many of these mishaps this year to a point that like I'm just have been very confused as to like where the mishaps come from like what what i really want to know what caused it even with it was just rogers and stuff like where did this mishap start yeah yeah and i think one of the questions i want to ask is i don't have the official numbers but over the entire season so far we've played seven matches and there's a significant portion of our squad that have not gotten any opportunities yet despite the fact the players playing ahead of them have not done enough to show that they deserve to stay as consistent, everyday, 90-minute players. I look at a guy like Pappy Mendy, who I don't think has played at all yet this season. Meanwhile, Wilfred Ndidi has not been the player that he was in previous years. And then I look at Shailar Sayunchu and Yannick Vestergaard, who have zero minutes combined. Meanwhile, Daniel Marty and Johnny Evans, I know Mar- Marty's lost his space, but Evans has been there every single minute. 
you can't concede 22 goals and still think that you're that not that you there has there can't be any change there. And then like Ianacho still can barely get a start in. Iusi Perez can barely play. Marco Brighton has zero minutes. Luke Thomas has one start. There's so many players on this team who have barely any opportunities, no matter how bad the people in front of them play in the depth chart. It doesn't seem like there's a complete lack of trust in the back half of the squad from Rodgers. And I think part of that is a... Honestly, I've said this since the beginning of the season. I think that's a protest for not being backed in the transfer window, and that's not something we can have. Yeah, possibly. It's a protest there. Yeah, uh, well, well um, we have had things similar to that at Tottenham before. Various managers have sort of um, had a little tantrum at not being backed and uh, continue with the same eleven. And uh, as as a little appeal to Daniel Levy, you know, back me or um, or you'll or you'll see what happens. It's a tired old act. You mentioned some quality players there. Luke Thomas is a really promising young talent. Um, so Yun Chu was playing very well once upon a time. Um, yep. Ayuso Perez and Kalechi yep. Nacho, very, very good players. In a team this poor, they absolutely should be getting minutes. Yeah. Uh, one thing I think, I don't want to blame entirely on Didi, although he, I do feel he was primarily at fault. He, he should have known that he really only had time for one touch and probably tried to take back to Evans or back Award, but I also want to put blame on Evans for it because if you look at the freeze frame as Evans plays the pass for Ndidi, Ndidi's around, he's got Tottenham players either side of him cutting off the pass to face on one side and to I think it would have been Castagna on the other. Um, he's got a Tottenham player running up behind him, reading the pass to cut him off. It's properly, properly a hospital pass uh, if you know your terminology. Oh, I completely agree with you. I, and even watching it, like, because I'm, I, what I always like, I always like watching the games when we're doing these podcasts as well. I don't know what Evans was thinking passing it to Nididi there because there, there was like, like he was surrounded by three different players. Where else is he going to kick it after that? Like, you're just giving it back to them. That was just pure, that was just poor thinking on Evans' pass. And I honestly might even say that was all completely on Evans. Like, I don't even think you can blame Nididi. Like, yeah, he, the ball was lost from him, but like, Evan should have just thought so much better than that. After that goal, yeah, we I think we played all right after that goal. And then this guy called Son Hyun Min comes on, and he's quite good. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to wax lyrical for a bit about how good Son is? <laughs> sure. <that> just <laughs> go for it. Sure. Go I mean, for it. Yeah, so this has been a weird little season for Sonny Boy, light of my life. Conte continued to persist with him, despite the emerging brilliant form of Richarlison. Richarlison being played out of position to accommodate Son still starting and he was getting shots on target but just it wasn't happening for him and I listened to a few Spurs podcasts myself I'm I follow a fair few Spurs fans on Twitter and you know the calls for for, for him to be dropped or or rotated were getting louder and louder but um, he proved on Saturday what uh, he returned to the golden boot winner of last season, Son Heung-min. Those first two goals were absolutely phenomenal. Like, I think uh, my favourite was the second one where he's he's running at a lesser defender, just slows down, takes one uh, one touch to put it past and then strokes it into the top corner. It was beautiful. And, and, um, and yeah, just so, so ha- blissfully happy that we've got our Son Heung-min back, especially right before the North London derby. The timing could not be better. He scored a wonder goal off his right foot and a wonder goal off his left foot. It's just not fair. Yeah, 
yeah, that's the great thing about Sonny. He can, uh, yeah, crack in worldies, worldies off either. Yeah, wonderful the worst, player. The worst thing for me about it was that he's, he's, I still like the guy. He's just, you can't not like like him. He's so, just such a likable man. It's like, you, you look at it, you see his post-match interview and you go, well, you, you just did what you've been trained to do and you did it really well. And <laughs> yeah. I can't hold that against you. I want to, yeah. but I can't. He's adorable at the same time as being an absolute lethal machine. Yeah. <laughs> the perfect player. I will say from an American point of view, a lot of people here are... A lot of players that people talk about in like Premier League-wise is Holland, Kane, Ronaldo, and I would even say and Son. So I, I, a lot of people... I have a friend who are actually Tottenham fans here, and they and a lot of people just have high praise for Son. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit of an up, a weird year for him, but I think it's just like that's just how it happens to some people in the beginning. Like you're just not in the groove yet of it, and when it starts, you go. But like I, I don't have any hate towards Son. He's just a great player. Nothing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And to sort of transition this whole situation with him into something that maybe we can learn from this. No matter how good Sun Hyun Min is, sometimes people just need a mental reset in order to figure mm-hmm. it out. And him losing his spot in the team with the opportunity of like, okay, you're going to come on and then let's see what you can do. That mental reset of not starting to then coming into the game and then showing everyone who he truly is. There are players on this team who probably could use that. I'm talking about Leicester in this situation and not really yeah. doing that at all. I completely agree. Because that, we don't, it's because we don't, it's, it, I don't know. Does Brendan know that we can use five subs now? I don't think we've talked about that yet, but I don't think he knows <laughs> that. Wait, I thought that was gone. No, five subs is uh, everyone can use five subs this year. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm sorry. I'm gonna. You know, I'm just gonna be quiet now. <laughs> I I think I missed that entirely. That makes me even more mad than though that we don't even use five subs. Yeah, I think what's embarrassing is the fact that we're seven games in, and it's easy to forget that we can use five subs because we haven't. I don't. I don't know if we have used all five in any games yet. No, I think a lot of games we've used less than three. Especially with after the international break, because of this Winter World Cup, the schedule for October looks absolutely insane. Especially for a team like Tottenham in the Champions League. You know, we got we got two games a week, most weeks in October. I think every week, actually. Yeah, Brendan will have to start bucking uh, bucking his ideas up and start using his squad if he's um, if he's if he's going to stick around. That's the yeah. caveat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as long as he's still there. <laughs> I mean, the rumours we've been hearing about him are that I was reading yesterday that apparently he boarded made the decision to let him go and that an announcement was coming Tuesday or Wednesday. It's Tuesday evening as I record this. We haven't heard yet. Uh, this is probably going to go out on Wednesday at some point. We may have heard about it by then. These things do like happen between the time I recorded this and the time it goes out. I'm sure they do it just to annoy me. But yeah, it really felt I say once, particularly once Son got that first goal, which was, I think it also preventable by You Look, we have two defenders backing off from him. Surely I think one of them can try and step up and try and tackle him, knowing that there's someone running behind him. I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a coach at that level. Maybe the, maybe FaZe and Evans did the right thing there. Once he conceded that goal, I kind of got feeling less capitulated in the game, like we've seen so many times this season. Yeah. 
And I'll be honest in this situation, around like the 70th minute, I had to start getting ready for, for work, so... Oh, so you missed the beauty I think, I think, I think, I, I think, I, I think I was like, it was like when Sun scored his first goal was around the time when I like had to go pay attention and like take care of other stuff. And I came back like, like say like ten minutes later and it's six to him. Like, what happened? <laughs> and I think the most embarrassing part is the fact I wasn't surprised. Yeah, yeah, it's because it's just what we do. It's been the way of us this season. The moment the game starts, turn against us. We've just capitulated in it. I mean, we've conceded more goals than a team that gave up nine in the game. So I'm going to try and get it before we talk about Brendan Rodgers. Um, Ollie, if you had to pick your favourite goal of the game, which one was it? Go on, rub it in. The second Sonny goal. Absolutely. It was good. Yeah, I think I heard someone, one pundit, saying uh, that's how you respond to being put on the bench, not scoring. Yeah. Come on and score yeah. two contenders for gold of the season. <laughs> Finish off a hat trick in 30 minutes. Yeah. One thing we've been alluding to the entire time, we think Lyndon Rogers has now managed his last game. Maybe. Many of us would say hopefully. We've talked a little about people who might come in. Ali, you might have some particular insight on Pochettino, who quite a few people are on this Discord and our subreddit have said they'd quite like Pochettino. Do you think he'd be a good move for us? Do you think he'd join us? Um, <laughs> to go from taking Tottenham to a Champions League final to managing Paris Saint-Germain and then going to bottom of the table Leicester is quite the drop-off. I think after PSG, Pochettino will, like, like he did after Tottenham, take some time out of football and I don't think um, he's going to come to you. Also, I don't think your, your owners can afford him. I would personally agree as well with uh, Ollie. I think, honestly, we should be looking for maybe a new face, someone that's not been seen before, because at this point, this is a year where we're desperate. I think if we can find, like, an unknown person who may can have different ideas and stuff instead of the same kind of old ones, it might be even better and stuff. Like, I'm not saying, like, that Talk would not be a great manager. I just, in my belief, like, I think we should try, like, maybe if someone that no one really knows about, would help our club dearly. Um, I think your best your your best option of managers available would be um, Sean Dyche. Honestly, yeah. probably our best move if we can do it would be Dyche in on kind of a to the end of next season contract initially. Yeah, because I, I think the things Dyche is really good at are the things that we are currently weak at, and he will sort out. He's the right manager to sort out a lot of the problems we have, which are primarily defensive. Right, we've been all right going forward. We, we've scored on average a little under two goals a game. And that strike rate is a perfectly good strike rate to be in the top half of the table. I think there's only two games where we failed two goals. And and I think most importantly, with the kind of financial problems that King Power are experiencing at the moment, um, he managed Burnley to Premier League safety for years on a shoestring budget. Yeah. And he wouldn't have a shoestring budget forever, you know. We have financial issues are largely keeping in with UEFA's FFP. Rather than For sure, and and, and 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 I imagine sooner rather than later you'll be selling Tielemans and Madison, so that'll bring Maybe. some more income in. You also have permission on great expanding the stadium and the amount of revenue we can get off the stadium, mm. which will help a lot. We're talking, you know, enough to pay salary of two or three of our expensive players of that, right? That makes a huge difference to, to our financial things once that's come in. I don't think Dice would be the right manager for the ambitions of the club assuming we get back there which is to 
be challenging for the European spots and to be in Europe regularly, right? But when you're bottom with one point in October, you need someone who will keep yeah. you up. And yeah. Sean Dyche will do that. Which is why I'm saying get him, you know, on a contract to the end of next season. He sorts us out this mm. season. He then, then give him a year where he's got a full preseason and he's got some say in the transfers and say, right, this is what I can do with the club. I'm here to show us what he can do. And then we can decide to say, actually, we should give him another year or two because we think he's got a good thing going. Or say, you've been great for us, but we've now lined... He gives us time to line up another manager if you want to not stick with him. Mm. Now, the main obstacle I can see to that specific plan is I don't think Sean Dyche would come in agreeing to be what is essentially a glorified interim manager. Yeah. I, yeah he's he's got more pride than that and rightfully so uh, other people are saying they should try and get Dublin I, I don't see that happening to be honest again he's just been managing Chelsea managed PSG before that you can't yeah. afford him he'll go to a Champions League club I am sure of it of course he will several people have been saying we should get Bielsa in that that I'd like to see you'd like to that see would it be, that would be extraordinary it would be crazy um, in very crazy in two ways it, the Premier League misses uh, Bielsa Madness. Yeah. On the one hand, we'd be very interesting to watch, I think. On the other hand, like, Leeds under Bielsa were defensively fragile and got injured a lot. Our big problems last season, especially, were that we were defensively fragile and got injured a lot. And I worry <laughs> that Bielsa would only exacerbate our problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not the easiest thing to think about, but when, it, when you think about guys like like Sean Dyche, people were basically just there to as survival uh, experts in those situations. I think the problem there is the fact that the players we have don't fit that at all. We are a team that likes to have possession. We have quality. We have technically gifted players. Now, maybe, maybe the thing is that Sean Dyche's brand. And his uh, M.O. is kind of more built around what he's been given versus what he always wants to play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe just he's a maybe he would adjust his thoughts and his system to accommodate what we are because he's never had the quality and talent that and resources that we have for him, especially in terms of just player talent on on the pitch. But I don't know if we would work well in the sit-back, low-possession, Brexit-ball, 4-4-2. Well, I mean, two things there. I'm not a massive defender of Deichball, but creative players like Dwight McNeil have thrived under his sort of system, uh, is the first thing I'd say. And also, I would say that you could say exactly the same things um, that you were just saying about Leicester's creativity and their technically gifted players about Everton. And you see how much they've struggled over the past two years by appointing the wrong coaches. Mm. So at some point, you need to change things up. Yeah, definitely. But I think that... Well, there's there's the thing with Everton is that they're just weird because they literally hired a man who won their biggest rival at Champions League. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that. I. They're. They're just weird. Like they are. They just do things weird. <laughs> And then on a similar thing, I don't know how well we would do in a high-tempo, run-until-you-die Bielsa system either. That's why I've been an advocate for someone like 
like Pochettino, even though I don't know the likelihood and the realism that actually happening, I think that like the stature of the club over the last couple of years is definitely should be higher than where our current position in the table is. But I think that a system that he likes to play is what we should be going for and what our players fit. And that's, that's the trouble is there's not many great managers out there who fit possession style on the market right now. One thing that's been said is that we've apparently had our eye on Thomas Frank of Brentford, to which Brentford fans apparently say hands off. Apparently before him, our preferred success was Graham Potter, but we've missed out on that. He went to Chelsea. Uh, do you think Thomas Frank would join us? Do you think he'd be a good move? Frank's a really good manager. He is. I think Thomas Frank is great. I think that in any other year, the answer to would he join us is yes. But right now, I'm not sure just because the first thing you have to solve when you get here is the very clearly fractured play style and fractured just culture in a way. It kind of just feels like there's some there's certain issues in and stuff and I mean you don't you don't lose six out of seven games and only get one point in seven matches if things are going if things are good and it's a lot to ask especially if you're leaving another Premier League team that is in a better situation even if you have weaker financial resources it's a hard ask you don't think you might look at less and think our ceilings higher than Brentford's I just don't. I just don't see it right now. I think the one thing about the Premier League, it's a, it's an, it's a crazy league where like a lot of people just don't want to have like take on a relegation side right now. Like even though we're not like anything can change with us. Like I don't think we are going to be relegated. I think we can fix it. But like with a manager sense, I just don't see managers taking that risk right now. I just don't. Especially ones who are already in the Premier League. Exactly. Fair enough. So I'll just finish off uh, the talk on this game. With a quick fire question, uh, let's say Brendan Rogers is fired tomorrow. Who is brought in to replace him? Tyler, you first. I I, I don't know. Um, I, could, I could go for the I could go for the wild card option and say Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but I don't think so. <laughs> all right, that, all right. I'm editing that so it just sounds like you're saying Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Fair enough. <laughs> no, <laughs> that, that would be phenomenal. My option will be, um, I think that in the end, it will probably be, yeah, I have no clue. <laughs> All right. Philly, who do you think? I, I, for me, I, I would say the same exact thing. And the reason why I say the same exact thing is I don't think anyone that we're said is going to be our, our manager. I I've just feel that there's going to be some random person coming onto the team that might be like in some other country or like in the lower divisions and they're going to come up on the team and no one's going to expect it. it's going to kind of be like Ranieri no one's going to expect this person whatsoever and and stuff and that's all I can say because like I there is as I said I just have no positivity right now with the whole club and stuff I mean real wild cards would be Emma Hayes or Lydia Bedford maybe mm. I doubt it uh, Ollie, I guess you've already set Sean Dyche yeah <laughs> I don't have the investment that you guys do. I think um, I think Dyche is the best option for you, but I kind of agree with Philly that um, it will be some random European coach. Yeah, someone who's been doing well on the continent will come in. I think um, Leicester will go that way. 
because it's because uh, because because it's a cheap option. Okay, I'll, I'll throw a name out there: Gasparini. Gasparini at Atalanta. I'll throw that one out there. I'd love to see Gasparini in the Premier League. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. But your board all choose cheap because they've already they're, they're already spending 15 million seconds. So, and with that, we will end the episode of Fox Never Quit Talking. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Leicester City women versus Quantum Hotspur women, which happened on Sunday. So thank you to Tyler. Thank you. Thanks to you. Cheers. And catch you all tomorrow. Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Find this license at creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by spelled by forward slash 4.0. Today's creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0. It also uses Riptide by Kevin McLeod. You can find that at incompetech.com. It's licensed under a Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. I heard that URL earlier. It also uses Elf Meditation, also by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. That music is licensed under the Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license.